everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute, and welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those that have forged forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff, and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to POSED pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks to talk with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. I hope you enjoy the show. Today we're joined by Tony Curtin and Sue Walduck of AB Patterson College, an independent school on the northern end of the Gold Coast, Queensland. Tony is the Director of Positive Education and Leadership at AB Patterson College. She's responsible for the development of positive education, service learning, student leadership, staff wellness and community engagement across the prep to year 12 campus of the college. Sue is the Director of Teacher Development and Effectiveness and she's responsible for the induction of all new teachers at AB Patterson College ensuring their understanding of the Teaching for Understanding framework and their UEH, Understanding, Effect and Humanity, coaching program. In addition, Sue works with teachers new to educating in Queensland with their submission of a portfolio for full registration with the Queensland College of Teachers. Okay, good morning and welcome Tony Curtin and Sue from AB Patterson College in the Gold Coast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Morning. Hi Susie. Lovely to connect with you both and I'm assuming the sun is shining in the Gold Coast today. Mm, There's a few. Yeah, a little bit overcast this morning, Susie, but that's all right. It's still better than down south, I'm guessing. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining me and even though we coin the term pioneers of posed. I think, Tony, you certainly fit under that term or that umbrella term, if you like, because uh, you contacted me back, I think it was 2018, but I think even before that, your journey began. But before we get to that, Tony, could you tell us a little bit about AV Patterson College? Uh, so as you've mentioned, Susie, we're on the Gold Coast, on the northern end of the Gold Coast. So we're, we're a relatively young school. We've just recently had our 30-year uh, anniversary. Uh, so we are a P to 12 or a prep to 12 uh, college, but we've also got an early childhood centre uh, on campus as well. So we are co-educational, uh, not affiliated with the church, completely independent and board run. Uh, so that's a little bit of, about us. And how long have you been at the school? Uh, so I've been here nearly eight years. Sue's been here on and off. I've been at the school three times. I did seven-year stint and then a one-year stint, and now I'm into uh, ah. my third stint, which is um, in my second year. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And um, as your role, Sue, as Director of Teacher Effectiveness, I, I'm really pleased that you're both here today. So you work quite closely together. We do. We work very closely together and certainly part of my role is with the new staff and when we do the induction and and having them understand the AB way. So we're spending a lot of time (laughs) trying to support them to understand what we've been doing and implementing at the college. And are you finding with new staff that this is still something quite new to them, positive education, or are you finding that they are coming from schools that they may have already been introduced to it or, you know, whether it was called POSED or just, you know, wellbeing science? Yeah, what, what's been your experience? Uh, I think that our staff have an awareness of positive education, positive psychology, but uh, I think that 
where we're up to right now is actually trying to draw it all together. So it's kind of like all of the balloons loose on the ceiling uh, with the strings hanging down and now trying to grab them all together and pull it all together to really uh, cement the understanding and to actually find that interconnection for our staff. Yeah, so to make it, uh, I guess, more strategic in a sense, although I know I know that's been your intention from the start, but as you said, sort of pull it all together. Yeah. And so could you just start by telling us a little bit about what your journey has been, Tony, since it all began really? Uh, so the college made the decision to explore the the uh, interconnection, I guess, between teaching, learning and well-being. So I think that we're probably in a really fortunate position because uh, the board and the senior leadership team were really on board with actually driving that cultural shift for us. So really what we were wanting to do right back uh, in the early stages was to create that culture of well-being for our staff, students and wider community. And so really the emphasis for us was best practice teaching and learning with the science of well-being, all having equal importance. Wow. And as you probably know, in the early days, that connection wasn't made at all. And in fact, it was quite a challenge for many of the leaders in the schools we worked with that were historically, I guess, from pastoral care to really connect with the teaching and learning group and to see that those very strong and intimate connections there. But it sounds like you had that really clear from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And look, and I think the thing is, is we had a number of conversations where it was, okay, do we want this to be just our pastoral care lessons where we just had the explicit lessons? Did we want it to be standalone where we actually had a subject called positive education? Did we want it in our tutor group? And really, once we unpacked the research and what we thought about for our community and our context was we really wanted to have that embedded to be at the core of what we do. And so we do actually have some of those standalone programs so so specific activities that we do where we target in some year levels and certainly it's underpinned in our vertical pastoral care program but basically what our whole aim has been is to create the um, the concept of the well-being classroom which is then embedded in everything that we do. I love that and so Sue is that where you come in as well or how what how does your role connect with that? So initially in this year I've been working with the teachers that are new to the college and showing that they understand our philosophy and certainly with teachers with their registration they uh, need to put photos together and they can give evidence of how their approach to support student learning is evidence through their uh, approach through positive psychology and in addition when we set goals for our staff and the teachers set their own goals uh, we are then giving them feedback using the framework that we've got for the college. And this is, I might just take a pause here because the onboarding is an issue that I haven't actually heard a lot, I guess, particularly at conferences on POSED, a lot of people talking about, like uh, I know in the schools we work with, it's been something that's been really important, particularly after we've provided perhaps the original educational component. So you've got a really clear plan around your onboarding, both from, I guess, the AB Patterson way, as you said, which encompasses POSED. Is that right? Yeah, well, Tony and I are exploring teacher effectiveness with this manual, and our goal is to have a clear outline for the new staff that incorporates our unique induction process, and that's how we teach at AB, and that continues to grow the well-being of the teachers who feel supported and understand the processes and the well-being of the students and the wider community. So we are aiming for our well-being classroom. And in terms of the staff goals, are they encouraged or do they set well-being goals as well as performance or development type goals? 
Uh, so the full college goal, so the staff at the, at the college currently are moving into a process where they'll set three goals. So one is the full college goal, which all teaching staff actually have to have. And so that goal is set by the college and that one is uh, about creating the wellbeing classroom through the utilisation of UEH strategies. And so the UEH strategies is the manual that we have created for our staff based on best practice teaching and learning. So uh, educational researchers and thinkers. So Mazzano, Hattie, obviously the college we utilise teaching for understanding. So we've maintained those connections there. And then we're actually drawing in the, the wellbeing research there, the science of wellbeing with that. Right. So was that the three goals subsumed there? So no. So the whole school college goal yep. is to create the wellbeing classroom yes. underpinned by those strategies. Yep. And so then each each staff member gets a goal setting sheet, a document, and then yep. they've actually got to write their SMART goals in response to that goal. So we set the goal, then they actually can work out which which identified areas. So within the manual for creating the wellbeing classroom, we've identified four positive psychology interventions for this year. And so the staff can actually select which one that they want to work on. They can uh, select their timeframe and then the coaches will review those goal-setting documents and then they'll actually support that process with helping the the teacher to bring the wellbeing classroom to life. Right. I, I want to come back to the coaching because you are, again, one of the schools that's been an earlier doctor of coaching, Tony. So we've got the full college goal. Is that an annual goal? That is an annual goal, yes. Yeah. And then, as you said, the teachers then set a goal, that their own personal goal that's related to that, connected to that broader goal. Is that right? Yeah, so it's connected to that. And then Sue uh, works with the heads of faculty to create a faculty goal. And uh-huh. then from the faculty goal staff then create their own individual goals. Love it. She's just speaking my language. <laughs> and then the third goal is an individual goal. So for me, my personal one is to be a little bit better as a volleyball coach. So I want to explore that. Right. So you might have something that's school related, something that's faculty related, and then something that's very individual to you. Perfect. And so I'm assuming the personal goal and, and Walt's jaws is around, I guess, increasing levels of competence in uh, in, that, in that domain, but uh, there'd, there'd be a wellbeing uh, effect from that as well. So I'm assuming there, that's where the wellbeing often comes into it for them personally. Yeah, building relationships with the students that I work with is definitely a part of why that's one of my goals. That's such great work. And besides, so you mentioned that there are some dedicated explicit classes for students as well on POSED. Yep. At the college, we have a program called SELF, which is Social Emotional Learning Fundamentals. Yes. Uh, so basically within that, so we've identified, uh, so as an example, Year 7 and Year 10. So Year 7, for example, they do a uh, explicit unit of work that we've written for our students uh, based around positive emotions and actually how that connects with friendship. So Beautiful. that's an example of how we do that explicitly. Then in year 10, um, our junior school, they also have self-lessons down there and that actually ties in with character strengths and mindset. So, but otherwise your intention or what you're actually doing now is to bringing the theories and research of POSED into the classroom. Is that what you mean when you describe a wellbeing classroom? Yes, so very much to bring um, the, the science of wellbeing alive, but really connecting with best practice teaching and learning. So as we said, to really acknowledge the equal importance of those three. So wellbeing, teaching and learning all on equal footing, uh, really, because that's going to have the best outcomes for our students and for our community. Absolutely. And it's quite advanced and sophisticated, 
I would say, Tony and Sue. Like I know that schools, that has been their ideal that they've been moving towards, but I haven't seen a huge number of examples of, of schools that have done this really well. So how long have you been working on that in your wellbeing classroom? So really this year has been a major launch of that. So it's taken us an, an, uh, quite a significant amount of time, like a couple of years to really get that manual together. So what we did is we had an initial working party Probably the the prior step to that even was to work with the senior leadership team to actually create our vision, and yes. then to um, then a smaller uh, working party uh, executive, just basically directors of teaching and learning, and myself to really say, okay, where is it that we want to go? And then we established a working party of interested people, and then from there, once we had kind of worked out what it is that we wanted because we didn't just necessarily just want it to be ad hoc or or an add-on anywhere. We really wanted yeah. it to be at, at the fabric at our core. So then we we broadened that initial working party to invite people, what we termed expert writers. And so we had identified from the research areas that we really felt that that supplemented the, um, the positive psychology interventions. Uh, so as an example, you know, Mazzano's work around learning intention success criteria and the positive psychology intervention of goal setting. So how could we actually merge the two? So those expert writers then did the research around what is it that Mazzano says, what is it that Hadi says, then what is it that thought thinkers in wellbeing science actually say about goal setting? And so then what we've done is we've got all of the research there for the staff to be able to access really readily. And then at the end of that, um, so they've got the research there, but then they've also got the strategies that they can then employ in the classroom. Wow. So that's really progressive, I would say. And uh, I actually have uh, take a little moment to positively reminisce here. I had the good fortune of meeting Marzano. I was on a panel with him in Kansas, probably nearly 10 years ago now. And uh, yes, I guess it was very early days for POSED too at the time, but I haven't really seen anything written or published on this integration that you're talking about. Have you, or are you really pioneering in this space? Uh, I haven't seen anything written on that, Susie. No. Um, for us, this is what made sense for our community yeah. and that's why that's been established. So um, probably what we need to do there is probably partner with a university and actually yeah. get some data as to um, our progress. And, I mean, I know that you've talked about, you know, if you value it, you, you measure it. And so that's certainly something that we need to explore further. Yeah, well, congratulations. It's such progressive work and uh and I think for me, it's I've always, as you probably know, Tony, have worked uh, very closely with educators. And for me, it's been that wonderful combination of psychology and, and educational pedagogy together. And uh, so it's just so beautiful to see the ongoing integration of, of those fields into the future. And in fact, I don't know if you do know, but William James, the founding father of psychology, uh, he actually did a series of talks back in the 1920s called Talks to Teachers. And he he talks exactly about that, this uh, integration of psychology and uh, education, which uh, it's he would be delighted if he saw what was happening today. Lovely. And could I just ask briefly, you mentioned this year there are four POS psych interventions. Are you able to share what one or two or what you might be aiming to do this year? Basically, what we've done is we, uh, we're focusing this year on positive student-teacher relationships, differentiation, because we really felt that that supplemented the positive student-teacher relationships, goal-setting uh, inclusive of success criteria and learning intentions, and character strengths. Very good. Is there still a, a working party or how do you, I guess, 
engage and support the broader educators to actually live this in the wellbeing classroom? So the manuals actually can uh, include probably 14 different sections. So what we'll do is we'll eventually roll those out uh, as a staggered kind of time frame. So it's just those four that we've um, highlighted for this year. Right. So everything else is actually written. But the plan is, is to continue to update that manual with those expert writers as more research becomes available. But so what we've done to support the process of those four um, identified areas this year is to employ positive education coaches so which is um, not around necessarily uh, Sue's role with the induction process but the the well-being coaches are there to actually support our teaching staff on bringing the well-being classroom to life so it's really about the goal setting with our teachers to have those conversations to keep them accountable in meeting that whole school goal with regards to those four identified areas. Wow. And as I said, you've definitely been a school that has embraced uh, the science of coaching psychology as well. So those uh, POSED coaches, they they help the educators initially set the goal. And then what's the process to monitor that over time? We've been really fortunate that the senior management has supported us being able to have timetable time to have discussions with our colleagues. It's been really successful so far. We've had volunteers that have agreed to come forward and trial the PPIs and have worked with the coaches and saying, I think I'm going to try this. I I might employ this strategy. We've had one coachee talk to not their coach, but another coach and said, I just want to do a practice run with you before I go to my (laughs) real coach, like really trying to get it right. And just by coincidence, some of the early adopters, three of them ended up teaching year five in different areas. And so even though this, those three are having the conversation. The four year five teachers are now tell us what's going on, tell us what the language is. We want to join that as well. So that's rippled onto them. Another one of our early adopters is a middle manager. And when she went to her middle management meeting, she showed the footage that we had of her, you know, talking to a student who was early to class about his traineeship or whatever, and talked about her relationship that she was building with him because he came to class early. And now all wow. the other middle managers are like, what was this about? So this ripple effect is really starting to happen when the coaches have a conversation and then that knocks on to other people that staff are connecting with. It's so inspiring, isn't it? And that that ripple effect you talk about can be really, really powerful, isn't it? And I mean, I know in our work, we, we can come in and talk about it and t- talk to the science, but when people actually see their peers trialing it and sometimes peers that they never would have expected, you know, actually increasing it and trialing it, then that seems to be like a a huge lever for motivation to, to have a go at it yourself. Wow. So what learnings have you had? Are there any learnings that you might be able to pass on to a school that might be at the early stages of their journey? Uh, so Sue and I had a had a conversation about this the other day, and really, I think the the key is that it really is a process, yes. um, and it really for us we we understand that it is a um, like I mean the POSED's positive psychology interventions. Yes, every everybody can have an understanding of those, but it's really implementation isn't a one size fits all model, mm-hmm. and that that was for us that that's been a really big learning because. If we had just rushed it and sort of said, okay, let's just pick it up and transport it into the college and just do it as a standalone thing uh, program, then we would have missed other opportunities. So I would really encourage people to sit in that space and to really just think about what is it that your community is and what is it that your community needs. 
and and really to enjoy that process because that that's really I think for us that's what's going to be the difference between a flash in the pan and really long-term sustained change because our staff are really with us because we've talked a lot about the why of positive psychology right. we've talked a lot of, around mental health and and well-being and we've we said to our staff it's not about you being teacher slash counsellor slash psychologist. That's not what we're wanting. We're really trying to get into that collective well-being space so that if we can get all of these positive psychology interventions out to a wider audience, then we're going to be influencing the behaviour long-term for these kids. And so I think that that really is leaning to the the process of change taking a significant amount of time. That's certainly been the the biggest thing for me. Very wise words. And you, Sue? I don't know. I think some of the things that have been really strong for me is being able to see how the community has evolved because I've worked here three different times and the change that it has made to attitudes and certainly Tony's driven that. And it's really lovely to see the passion that she has and and with the early adopters and, and growing the wellbeing classroom. And I think our focus on learning and development and the introduction of coaches has really made a model where the sustainability of this wellbeing classroom is going to go on well beyond our employment at the college. So I think that's a really a good testament to the, the background behind the program. And I do believe, Tony, that you are a, a member or may even be on the committee for uh, the PISA POSED Schools Association in Queensland. Is that right? Yes, You're yes. You're connected? Sec- secretary, yes. Yeah, yes. fantastic. And yep. so have you seen, I mean, I, I wonder, I guess I'm curious, has COVID made a big impact? Because we were really, from my perspective, starting to get some momentum happening and uh, even globally pre-COVID. And then when COVID came, there was clearly an, a need to focus on priorities like virtual learning, but what would be your perspective on the evolution of, and, you know, again, there's still controversy over whether schools want to call it POSED or not, but I guess the the embracing of, of wellbeing science and the integration with teaching and learning, where would you say we're at? Look, I had a staff member say to me, um, actually at the beginning of the year, because I, I bring everything back to the science of wellbeing and I'm really, I probably laboured the point probably too much because I say, <laughs> okay, I didn't get up this morning and say, let's create a mindful activity because I just thought that would be pretty cool to do as I was driving to school. I always sort of say to the staff, but the science of wellbeing actually tells us this. The yes. science of, um, of wellbeing actually tells us that gratitude is helpful because of this. So if we keep coming back to the fact that it is science, yes, we've got to ignore that it's a young science but it's a science no less and what I would say is the state of positive psychology yep and positive education is yeah we have taken a little bit of a hit with COVID because we were just starting to see some traction so if I think about the first conference that I went to down uh, at the Peninsula School I think it was and you know it was it was a lot smaller than say than the next one that I went to at Geelong Grammar Mm -hmm. and so you know you're just seeing now that people are actually understanding that there is a very real connection between well-being and teaching and learning and really for us if you keep coming back to that that well-being you know that Geelong Grammar expels and uh, I think it's Hooper's definition feeling good and functioning well. And so really if we come back to that and then we actually say, but it doesn't matter how good your lesson is. So if I'm teaching, you know, year 11 math, it doesn't matter how much planning or preparation I put into that lesson if our kids actually aren't ready for learning. And so if we acknowledge the place of well-being just before we actually get to the lesson, then we're going to actually have students who are more engaged is what what I would argue, and then they're more receptive and they're actually going to retain knowledge more readily. 
can really uh, feel your passion there, Tony. I, I absolutely love it. And how? what's your intention or commitment to how are you going to stay on top of the science? I mean, I, as you know, this is, my, this is my life and I find it difficult with there's so much research coming out. How are you and the team and Sue going to, what's your plan to try and stay as best as you can on top of the science? Uh, I guess the thing is, is the college has committed to the coaching model. So yes. it's not just that we've got the coaches here for this year. So yes. it, it is a commitment to actually having that coaching model there as part of the fabric of, of the college community yeah. because we recognise that teachers and all staff, actually, what I would argue in schools, are very busy. So if we make that research accessible to staff and we provide them with the strategies that, that we've already done the grunt work behind, the longevity is going to be there because our staff are already with us. They already understand the why, as I mentioned. And so if we continue to furnish them with the skills to actually keep maintaining, keep growing that wellbeing classroom, then we're going to be in a really fortunate position. But I, I would agree with you that, yes, there is a, an overwhelm of emails that come into the inbox that says, you know, there's this this latest article and there's this article and I, I end up printing all of these articles thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm now, my well-being is suffering because I've got to read all of those well-being articles. But, you know, you you read them and then you, you're continually inspired. And I guess that that's the balancing act for us in the um, really fortunate position to be senior leaders is to actually have some of that time to say, okay, I need to make some space for that professional learning because this is actually going to make a difference to our teaching staff and therefore our students. It's so important, isn't it? And of course, I mean, often one of the, the ways that we express that one of the benefits of coaching is that it does help uh, create that reflective space, which is often so missing in not just in a school, educational or a school life, but uh, for most of us these days is very rarely that reflective space. The coaches reflect together as well as with the coachees. Like we meet as a collective group of coaches, right. but then they also are meeting individually with their coachees. So there's a few different layers to that as well. It's fantastic. And could I ask like in terms of the time allocation for the individual what is the time allocation for that? So we've got four coaches this year. One of our coaches is also on maternity leave. So we were scheduled to have five coaches this year. Wow. So that's a fairly significant uh, commitment from the college because each of those coaches are one line off their full-time load. So basically, in essence, if you put those those one lines together, obviously that's one full teacher. So that's our financial commitment to the viability of our growing a culture of wellbeing here at the college. Amazing. And in terms of their actual time to meet with the, the teachers to progress their goals, yep. what's that time allocation? So they've got up to five periods per week in which to meet with the early adopters. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And so what we do is then we we privilege those meeting times around. So that actually goes into the timetable as scheduled meeting time uh, so that our staff then don't end up with a clash with covers and things like that. So it's really valued here at the college. No, it's and there's lessons here for the world of work, which is where we spend most of our time here at the Positivity Institute. We, we love our POSED and, and the fact we've learned a lot um, ourselves from what schools are doing as organisations, if you like. But just uh, even recently, I've been hearing organisations are sort of throwing every little bit of wellbeing content they can at staff, but staff are too busy. There's no time to actually you know, log on to the internet or even trial anything. So creating these spaces which is what you've done extremely well here, I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, but does allow that space to reflect and look at some of the, the interventions or the content that, and then how they can personalise that to use it. Yeah, and I, 
I think with that, Susie, the coaches actually had a really good suggestion that we're um, about to implement on Monday, actually, is that each of the coaches have come up with a little bit of a tip, a weekly tip or a challenge based on the four positive psychology interventions. So uh-huh. I briefed the staff on a Monday and a Friday, which I always laugh about because it's more more entertainment than, uh, than <laughs> anything. And so, you know, you've got to have a bit of humour and a bit of zest there wherever you can when you're delivering messages. But anyway, so we're going to take that opportunity to, on a Monday, is to set the, um, it's just, it's one little PowerPoint. It actually has a whole lot of information on there. And then we're going to actually challenge our staff to see what they can go away with and and actually utilise. So I think that next week's is about unpacking uh, bravery and perseverance and how you're going to be brave and actually acknowledge perseverance with your class and then come back to us and let us know how that's gone at the end of the week really in an informal manner but again it's where can you get your message out in a non-confrontational manner with a bit of humor and actually get some buy-in whilst actually acknowledging that people are pretty time poor Wow, fantastic work. And I could ask you a lot more questions and spend a lot more time in this, but unfortunately, I'm going to have to wrap up. But is there any recommendations in terms of uh, books or podcasts or anything that might um, be useful to people listening in today? Susie, for me, the easy book, the go-to book is Positive Psychology in a Nutshell. It sort of sits very close by my desk uh, with a thousand post-it notes with different little uh, things there. So really, I would I would encourage anybody who's starting out on their journey, but also for people who are uh, like me, who who are quite familiar with a lot of a lot of things, but just to actually rein myself back in, I actually go back to that and I actually just uh, remind myself of the key principles of of certain concepts. Yeah, absolutely. And as a close colleague of mine, Alona Bonniewell, I can also highly recommend uh, not just that book, but other texts and programs that Alona runs, um, highly, highly recommended. So any final words of wisdom from from you, Sue, as well? I, I think that we want our students when they leave this college to have a really solid awareness of what they can do to help themselves and what PPIs resonate with them and what they can use. And we also want them to have the confidence to ask if they feel that they are languishing rather than flourishing. So I feel like we're heading that way. Certainly it's it's a good environment for me to work in, but it's also good for our students. You absolutely are. And uh, how wonderful. We didn't get to talk about parents today, but I'm assuming they're also extremely pleased at your commitment to well-being and to the future of their children. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Tony and Sue. It's been a pleasure talking with you. It's I love your energy and enthusiasm and I'm sure whoever's listening today, um, they may very well reach out, which often is the case, but you've got so much to offer, so much wisdom and so much experience and uh, congratulations on the work you've done and you will continue to do. Thanks, Susie. Thanks, Susie. That's great. Thank you so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series four. If you're enjoying the series and you're a school leader who wants to take a strategic and sustainable approach to POSED, contact us at info at thepositivityinstitute.com.au to find out how we might work with you and your school. In the meantime, you might like to check out my new podcast, The Positivity Prescription, available on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website, where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.